0: Here we come Now
1: the world don't move And you knew where you were then Exciting
0: It's TV Talkaholics in your ear holes every month. This is episode 42. Thank you for downloading and pressing play. Hi, Matthew. Damn, 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 damn. <laughs> I knew we were going to get there somewhere. I didn't think it, we would. <laughs> you'd come out so hot and heavy. But yeah, wow. Of the famous lines from good times.
1: That is it's right up there with Dynamite.
0: Yes, agreed. Agreed. And Damn 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 was only in one episode. <laughs> and uh yeah. Are you excited to talk about good times?
1: I don't think I've ever been more excited to talk <laughs> about an Esther Roll TV show. Yeah. Esther roll. Because that happens a lot. You get a lot of opportunities to talk about Esther Roll, and I don't think I've ever been this excited. Is it Driving Miss Daisy? Was she the maid in that? Yeah. I think she is. I think
0: she's she's the maid in that. Yes. Yeah. That was a, a later role in her career. But um, yeah, Esther Roll. Uh, interesting to revisit her and her performance and delivery of words and lines. And it's very interesting. I kind of would put her into the category of kind of an unlikely candidate to say, we need that to have its own show, uh, especially when she was the, the sassy, wisecracking side character on Maude. Um, but, yeah, it came about. And, uh, well, there are some some facts about that that we'll get into. But uh, before we do, Matthew, we've got some housekeeping we need to take care of. Oh, my goodness. I don't know if we mentioned, because we've been away from this for quite some time and only sporadically getting back to it, but I don't know if we officially ever mentioned that no sooner did we complete Let's Face the Facts and do all of the episodes of The Facts of Life than Tubi released them all completely in their entirety, free streaming to anyone who wants them. Thanks, Tubi. Finally, they heard us. They are. <laughs> Our Congress people that we were writing to finally <laughs> got after them. They they put the pressure on them. But uh, yeah, no, they're all on Tubi. So all of the facts of life are there finally in one place, streaming. Uh, you do have to watch commercials. I don't mind doing that when it's a free service. I don't have any problem with it. I do have a problem with services like Peacock, like Paramount Plus, where you have to watch commercials, and I'm like, but. I'm paying for the service. I pay Netflix and I don't have to watch commercials on Netflix. I pay for HBO Max and I don't have to. I don't understand that paradigm. That to me is ridiculous. That's as ridiculous as, oh, a theme park charging its guests to park on the theme park's actual property before they let the people in and make them
1: pay to go to the theme park. It's ludicrous. Am I right? Well, and it's like the the tiered um, thing bothers me. It's like for $4.99, you can get this. But for $8.99, you can have it without commercials. Fuck you. Mm. Fuck you. Yeah. And I have to admit, I did that with Hulu back in the day. Hulu
0: was kind of the first one that did that. But the whole thing with Hulu was it was kind of replacing television. It was like, okay, yeah. I didn't watch the show last night, but today it's there and it's available. And it was like four bucks difference. Like Hulu initially was pretty cheap to go without the commercials. But now I I pay for YouTube premium and it's gone up. What is it? $18.99 a month now?
1: YouTube oh, I, premium.
0: I, I, it's fucking crazy. It's, it's approaching $20 a month. And yet I go to my sister's house, pull up on her smart TV, this YouTube video and a fucking commercial comes on and i'm like uh after yeah, the pandemic uh, youtube just went nuts it's like every goddamn video multiple commercials and that's
1: ugh. i don't mind commercials but i'm old
0: <laughs> you see i'm i'm impatient i'm just so ugh once you've lived without them it's hard to have them and then you know what i do while the commercial is running On something i pull out my phone and start playing like a a round of candy crush or something and then i get into the game so i have to pause the tv show to finish the round of candy crush and then three hours go by and i still haven't watched my
1: 22 minute sitcom yeah or you've watched it seven times and haven't paid attention to it (laughs) yeah i have no
0: idea why i'm still single but the other housekeeping matthew is we have to welcome a new sponsor we have a new person in the fold it's hard not to call them Tutti Fruities. I do miss that name, but officially a new sponsor here, Mandy M. Hi Mandy, this is your official shout out. Mandy's actually written me a few times, we've corresponded back and forth on the Facebook Messenger, she is a sweetie, has some very fun observations, and uh, we've had some good chats there, and I'm thrilled to have you finally joining the ranks. Mandy, welcome to the family. So we ready to talk about good times. Anytime you need a payment. Mm-hmm. Good times. Anytime you need a friend. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that theme song. First of all, it's fucking amazing. Written by three white people, of course. Lyrics by Marilyn and Alan Bergman, who wrote The Way We Were for Barbara Streisand and wrote Yentel also. Um If you recall, there was a little bit of a a question and a controversy over one of the lyrics. When Dave Chappelle's show was on, he did that game show called I Know Black People. And one of the questions to the white contestants was temporary layoffs, good times, easy credit ripoffs, good times, scratching and surviving, good times, blank. What is the next line of the song? And the guy he gave the points to the guy and the guy just did a yeah <laughs> and he just made a noise and he gave it to him but dave chappelle said he himself had to google this he did not know and the answer that was given on this episode of chappelle's show is that it's hanging in a chow line
1: mm. and surviving. good time hanging hey, in
0: I'm looking at it at lyricsondemand.com, and they have the lyric, hangin' in and jivin', which makes sense because that rhymes with "surviving." And there's an asterisk there, and down below it says, the season one DVD for the box set has the lyric as hangin' in a chow line. However, the writers, the Bergmans, confirmed that it is actually "hanging in and jivin'. So the uh, performance of that uh, left a little bit of uh, left a little bit to be desired
1: in the diction department. I would have said hanging on a and That would have been my.
0: Yeah. My response. If you listen to it, that V is not there. It's just not there. I get how people would think it's not hanging in and jiving but i mean you know it's pop music and pop music has got the worst addiction ever i spent my entire childhood the 70s and 80s going i don't know what the fuck they're singing i have no idea she's got she's got two chickens to paralyze what snapped up like a douche another roller in the night huh anyway so Good Times. It ran on CBS from 1974 to 1979. It ran six seasons, 133 episodes. Created by Norman Lear, it is the first spinoff of a spinoff on network television, since it was spun off from Maud, which was a spinoff of All in the Family. It was created by Eric Monty and Mike Evans, and Mike Evans originally played Lionel on All in the Family and then moved over to the jeffersons but then he left the show to do this and he also created what's happening and so there were a few seasons that damon evans no relation took over the role of lionel on the jeffersons and if you watch those mike evans is clearly the superior lionel much better than damon So oh, there so there. <laughs> So this is adapted from Wikipedia, Florida and James Evans, and their three children live in a public housing project in a poor black neighborhood in inner city Chicago. They have three children, James Jr., also known as JJ, a budding artist and illustrator, Thelma, a very bright girl who takes education very seriously, and Michael, the youngest who is a passionate activist in support of the Black community and Black issues. Their exuberant neighbor and Florida's best friend is Wilona Woods, a recent divorcee who works at a boutique. Much of the series focuses on them trying to simply make ends meet and pay their bills. James often works at least two jobs, mostly manual labor, though he is often unemployed, and throughout, he is depicted as a proud man who will not accept charity. And then later, of course, as they got rid of certain characters and started adding others, this is where we eventually got the wonderful Janet Jackson as Penny, because we lost both Florida and James, and we just had Walona as the lead of the show, so they decided to give her a kid to adopt. Um, Inconsistencies in the show Bible, the most important and glaring one, is that Maud took place in Takahoe, New York. That's where Florida worked for Maud, and we did meet Florida's husband at least once, if not a couple of times, and his name was Henry. Reason for that is that this had actually been a pilot someone else had been developing, and they realized, oh, wait a minute, if we want to spin off Florida, we could combine that with this other show and merge it together into one project and they really liked that the oldest son's name was going to be jj for james jr so they kept the husband's name james they moved them to chicago and no one ever said anything about it oh oh, and james i'm sorry henry the husband was a firefighter on maud so just a little mm. uh, retcon needed you know hey a lot of even the best shows do it you know Frasier's dad had allegedly already passed away before the show Frasier took place. But anyway, did you watch Good Times at all in reruns or anything? Was this a show that was on your radar? Not once. Had you watched it before this?
1: Nope.
0: Mm. Did you watch the live in front of a studio audience reenactment?
1: They've done that? Yeah.
0: Yeah. The first one was All in the Family and the Jeffersons. That one they did in uh, May of 2019, and it was so popular in December 2019, they did All in the Family again, but then they did Good Times. Oh, yeah, it was, again, it was so weird, but interesting. (laughs) They did All in the Family again? Yeah, yeah, brought back Woody Harrelson, Marissa Tomei. Yeah, all of them came back, yeah. But in the Good Times episode, Andre Brower was James. And it's like, okay, Viola Davis was Florida. Good Lord. I I don't remember that at all. Yeah. Tiffany Haddish was Wilona. Jay Farrow from Saturday Night Live was JJ. And there was a supporting role of a dude who came by the house. I forget what episode and what the circumstance was. John Amos played that supporting role. 80-year-old John Amos was on it. Wasn't quite like Marla Gibbs playing Florence again when she was 80, but yeah. And so, yeah, and then COVID happened. So it was two years later, December of 21, when they did Different Strokes and the Facts of Life. I don't know if those are available. I know that Different Strokes and Facts of Life is available on Disney Plus right now. I don't know if the other two are, if uh, they were on Hulu at one point, but uh, anyway, I recommend them just as an exercise in going, yeah, casting does make a difference and the scripts are good, but it's not the same when you don't have that cast and those actors delivering it. So, even though the show was a hit, it did have a lot of problems behind the scenes, very well-documented problems with the fact that the writer's room was full of white people. And that created a lot of friction and... (laughs) <laughs> something that eventually led to John Amos complaining so much that they not only didn't renew his contract, they killed off his fucking character. So it was like, shit. So he was only on the first three seasons. Then Esther Roll did one more season, and then she left voluntarily after season four. Uh, season five is the one that just had Janae Dubois as Wallona and the kids. Thankfully, the kids were oldish enough. You know, Jimmy was already... Um, I should say J.J. was already over 18 and able to play an adult, sort of. But And in the final season, they convinced Florida to Esther Roll to come back. So she is there for the final one. Where'd she go? They had her remarrying after the death of James and going off to... Leaving her kids? Oh, yeah. Like you do on TV. Yeah. Going off to live with him, I want to say in like... Colorado, New Mexico, somewhere over there. And then when she came back, they barely, apparently, barely touched on that her implication was that that husband had died, like he had cancer or something. So she was a second-time widow coming back to live in the projects with her kids. Mm. Yeah. Now, they had wanted it to be similar to all in the family, dealing with family issues, but in a comedic way. But unfortunately, Slash... Fortunately, Jimmy Walker became the breakout star, and the more ridiculous, silly things they wrote for him, the more the audience ate it up, and he became a huge star. And unfortunately, that was at the expense of the realism and the issues of the show, and uh, they wrote him more and more buffoonish, cartoonish, and Estero and John Amos were both very public, saying that they hated it. They thought that As a young black man, he was, I think, a high school senior or junior and senior. And I think he graduates at the end of season two. Anyway, this episode, which is season two, he's still in school, but he's about to be an adult. And they're like, he's an idiot and he doesn't work. And this is a terrible example for young black men out there who have no other role models on television. Oh, yeah. They did get to end the series, though. They knew that the show was not being picked up after season six. So they do have a thing at the end where basically everybody gets a happy ending. Thelma, the sister, uh, is already married at that point, and she announces she's pregnant. And she and her husband, he's just gotten some great new job so they want the mother to move in with them. Basically, uh, they all get some type of a job or something that's they're going to finally get out of the projects. They all... Uh, look like things are financially bright in the
1: future. So that was pretty good. Um, The thing is, I did some research, and there's a whole subreddit out there about how Florida kept the family in poverty. Oh, no! Like shit! Like, choices were made where she's like, I don't want to accept even $5! for cha- you know and it's like okay but at some point if somebody's willing to help you get out of charity or out of poverty you take it and like there's this whole like examples of episodes where things were offered to the family and she made them turn them down and stuff like that like it's an interesting look at how yeah. um florida kind of controlled the family and wanted them to be in in poverty
0: the same way because, Angela Lansbury did all those murders in yeah, order for murder she wrote. <laughs> exactly. Wow. I that would be fascinating. I need to read that now and find it. But yeah, there is definitely a very strong vein for both Florida and James that they are, you know, we may be poor, but we're proud. Yeah. And and wrapped up in that is the misogyny. And the chauvinism of the 1970s, where you can tell James does not like that Florida has to work at all. He feels like he wants to be the man who supports his family by himself. And, and it's just like, oh, dude. Yeah. <laughs> if she can make a few extra bucks and yeah. Well, before we get into the nuts and bolts and uh, what else was on general thoughts so you'd never seen it what did this what what did you think about this
1: i thought it would be hilarious if i didn't watch it so did you not watch this i was very busy <laughs> so i was very busy <laughs> so i'm gonna discover it with with the rest of our tv talkaholics okay well, fortunately for you,
0: I was planning on performing it verbatim, word for word. That's doing, what I was hoping for. So. Doing my impressions of each and every one of these African-American characters. I think you should. <laughs> <laughs> and we're canceled already. I can feel it. So what else was on? Yeah. This was New Year's Eve of 1974, a Tuesday night. So oh, December okay. 31st to 74. On the horizon of 1975,
1: yeah, I remember. That is what comes after 74. Uh Uh-huh, yes.
0: A new year, a new time at the stroke of midnight. Well, on CBS, the normal lineup was Good Times was on at 8 o'clock, followed at 8.30 by MASH. How interesting, because MASH became such a huge phenomenon. I thought MASH would have been at the top of the hour at this point, but it might have still been getting its footing, at 9 o'clock Hawaii 5 and at 10 o'clock Barnaby
1: Jones. Oh my god.
0: The wonderful Buddy Ebsen.
1: So. Oh, what a horrible night of TV.
0: <laughs> now on ABC, okay, we had 8 o'clock was Happy Days. Sadly, we didn't have our Tuesday night powerhouse lineup. Laverne and Shirley and Three's Company were still a couple of years away. But at 8.30, you would get the movie of the week. And I don't know what it was. And I forgot to look it up and opposite Barnaby Jones on CBS at 10 o'clock on ABC. We had Marcus Welby MD. <laughs> Dr. Doctor, Dr. Doctor procedurals. Like really? I mean, I guess ER ran what? 150 years. And yeah. so did Grey's anatomy. Who the, I mean, clearly it's not my cup of tea, but who the fuck am I? To criticize them, they certainly have an audience, don't they? On NBC, we had Adam 12 at 8 o'clock, also a movie at 8.30, and then at 10 o'clock, Police Story. Oh,
1: Jesus
0: Christ, Becky.
1: What night of the week was this?
0: Tuesday. Ugh. So, yeah, it was really, for me, it would be between good times and happy days. So if this is 74, that means happy days, I think we're in season two, meaning we're still in a one camera, uh, single camera version of happy days with Chuck as the older brother and a laugh track before they went to a uh, multicam and a live audience. Mm. And, uh... Yeah. And I mean, I liked Happy Days when it was on, but again, I was a child and I was extremely stupid. So, this episode that we're talking about, which is season two, episode 14 of Good Times called Florida's Big Gig, this was written by Bob Pete. Guess what? Bob Pete wrote one episode of The Facts of Life. He wrote season four, episode 11, September Song. It's the one where Mrs. Garrett's jogging boyfriend hurts his back and is confined to her bed. Yeah. Awful mm-hmm. episode. That's a yeah. that's a bad Eastland episode. And you know, there aren't many of those as far as I'm concerned. It's a it's bad a total movie. jerk. <laughs> <laughs> so uh Bob Pete also did write for different strokes, and he was a writer and a producer for What's Happening Now and Amen. It was directed by Herbert Kenwith. Herbert Kenwith, we've talked about because he did a lot of episodes in different strokes, particularly season one, which is what we've been watching to uh, watch more of Mrs. Garrett. And he directed the pilot of different strokes, as well as the backdoor pilot, the girl's school that created the facts of life. So Herbert Kenwith, we are very familiar with him. Very popular director Herbie. No, yeah. So I can see it in your eyes, Matthew. I know what, what you happened? want. I know what you want right now. Oh my God, are you wearing basketball shorts? Um, close. Oh no. I'm. What? I'm going to tell you how old all the cast
1: members are. Oh good. Oh good. Florida is 26. <laughs> 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 uh, she is not. Esther
0: Roll is 54 years old. Okay, Yeah, that makes me feel better. And we've talked about at length how both on this show and the Jeffersons that both of the husbands were 20 years younger than their wives. John Amos is only 35. Isn't that crazy? Now, Jimmy Walker, playing a high school student, is 27. He's only
1: eight years younger than John Amos. Isn't that fucking crazy? That is fascinating to me. Isn't it, though? Black people and their age is fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. That's true.
0: <laughs> That's the white people fascination. It's their hair and their aging process. Yeah. Total mystery to us. Mm. Um, Thelma, the sister, Bernadette Stannis, is 21. Michael, played by Ralph Carter, is 13. So I think he's actually playing his own age. And a little sidebar about Ralph Carter as Michael. Uh. He was the one they wanted to do the show, but he was, at the time of the pilot, he was in the Broadway production of a musical called Raisin, which was a musical version of A Raisin in the Sun. And so they had originally wanted him, then he wasn't available. They almost used Haywood Nelson, who was... Dwayne on what's happening later. Also, Lawrence Fishburne was up for the role, very young Lawrence Fishburne, but they were able to arrange it to get Ralph Carter released from his contract with Broadway's Raisin. And you will see in every credit, every, I believe every episode, the end credits, it says Ralph Carter appears courtesy of Raisin. I remember as a kid thinking, what the, f- what is that? I, that doesn't even make any sense. So the, the people, the, <laughs> the producers of the show were like, um, yeah, we need the free advertisement. You want to use him? We'll release him, but you're going to advertise our show every episode in perpetuity. And sadly, Raisin is a musical that has been forgotten to time. I have never heard of it or known anyone to produce it or revive it. So... I don't know. The play Raisin in the Sun is done on the regular, but uh, yeah. So Ralph Carter was clearly the big get. And you will notice in this episode, the kids are listed. Ralph Carter, Jimmy Walker, Bernadette Stannis. So Ralph Carter is getting billing over Jimmy Walker at this point in season two. That will change, of course, (laughs) once Jimmy Walker continues to take off. Uh, the part of Wolona is Janae Dubois. She is 42. Of course, we also know and love her because she co-wrote and sang the theme to The Jeffersons. And speaking of The Jeffersons, uh, the whole reason why The Jeffersons was created was because the NAACP did initiate several conversations with Norman Lear about this show with a concern that the only Black family being portrayed on network television is a poor Black family struggling to get by. And that's what inspired Norman Lear to think, well, I could do a show about a rich Black family too. And then there were the Jeffersons. He could have George's dry cleaning business take off. And that became the Jeffersons, an 11 year sitcom. 11 years of the Jeffersons. Is that fucking
1: crazy? That Queen Sherman Hemsley.
0: Oh Jesus Christ!
1: <laughs> Was he really gay? Yes. Was he? I don't know. Once you know, and you watch an episode, you're like, oh, okay. So Matthew, now is the time of the show where I ask you to
0: give me a TV guide synopsis of the episode. Mm-hmm. 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 Are, are you Are you prepared to do so? Oh yeah. Okay, let me have it.
1: Mm -hmm. In this episode of Good Times, um, the family is scratching and surviving and hanging and (laughs) a-jiving, just trying to make ends meet. Ain't they lucky they got them, these Good Times?
0: That is, I don't think I could have done it more accurately myself, really and truly. Yes. Okay. Nailed it. (laughs) so uh all right let's get going with the synopsis here as 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 every podcast says 45 minutes in let's dive on in yeah (laughs) so we start in the apartment in the the main set And it's breakfast time. We have standard jokes of JJ being hungry all the time, wanting dessert after breakfast. We've got Thelma and JJ fighting and sniping at each other like siblings do. We have Florida telling JJ to get a part-time job. We have Michael reading the paper, talking about the unemployment statistics for African-Americans. Florida talks about the fact that the president says, we've just got to bite the bullet while the economy is so bad. And JJ's response is bite the bullet. We're already down to the powder. And the audience has a conniption. Every single joke that Jamie Walker delivers, the audience is on board. They eat him up. And there's a couple of women in particular who are just all, "Ah!" just screaming every time. Like, they want to drop their panties man when he says his dynamite later oh my god
1: and the 70s were a crazy crazy time they were they really were add jimmy walker to the list of pussy hounds from the the pussy
0: posse yes jimmy walker god yep that's right and you know eddie murphy even said it eddie murphy in one of his I think it's his first comedy album. He says, I got into show business. I started doing stand-up for pussy. He said, I figured if Jimmy Walker could get laid, I am fucking everything. That's his joke. It's like, uh, you're not wrong,
1: Eddie. You are not wrong. And he did. And he did. And then made fun of gays in his act while Mm -hmm. he was, anyway, while he was playing butt pirate out on. Santa Monica Boulevard. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but what we learn is that Florida
0: has been told by Walona that at the boutique where she works, they're looking for a seamstress. And uh, Florida is optimistic that she will be able to do that for some work and bring in some money, since right now times are tough. And I guess James is only working part time at a car wash, we later learn. So, Walona shows up, and she and Florida start cutting up and just having fun. And God, Janae Dubois is just, she's she's the Jack
1: Hay of the show. Janae yeah. Dubois really is the magic here. She was so, to me, like, just, and I never watched an episode, but obviously I know about good times, but, like, she was so glamorous to me. I just mm-hmm. thought she was so beautiful and so, like, together and cool i don't know yeah just, and it I was just
0: confidence and it's i realized you know her entrance line was always hey y'all <laughs> i still do that i do every time i go into uh you know walk into the trailer uh, of wherever i'm working just because there's always a room full of people and i know some of them and i don't and i don't want to start saying hellos to individuals and so i just walk in and go hey y'all so like you know the southern boy that i am mm-hmm. but um yeah, and, and I agree with you, and yet they never, like you say, glamorous or elegant, she never overdressed. They always had her very, you know, working class, lower grade. They never overdressed her, but she was always clearly well put together. Yeah, she's beautiful. Yeah, and and, and gorgeous, yeah. And, and again, funny and can deliver a joke. And uh, yeah, so... Uh as they're cutting up and she's making Florida laugh, Florida says at one point, now, come on, you made that up. And Malona says, yeah, maybe I did. I figured it would soften the blow. And Florida's like, what?
1: And she says, your husband's dead.
0: No. (laughs) Damn, damn, damn.
1: Break this crystal ball. Quick. (laughs) Throw it on the ground. (laughs) But she says to her
0: that they're not going to be hiring a seamstress after all, that the owner, the shop owner's mother is just going to do it for free. So suddenly Florida is like, well, I guess I don't have a job anyway. But uh, they get to talking again about unemployment. Unemployment was a big problem. And the statistics that they had previously thrown out with uh, Michael and the newspaper that he was reading. Well, at this point, we give a showcase to Janae Dubois where she says, jobs are so hard to find. Newspapers are putting want ads in the same section as the obituaries, which means employment is dead. So she decides to give a little service and she goes into preacher talk saying, ladies and gentlemen, We are here to pay homage to. And she goes into this big thing about lack of jobs, the long line at the unemployment office. Salaries are still low. The Grim Reaper called inflation. And the family all get caught up in it and are joining and are doing that. Amen. Hallelujah. She's taking them to church. And the audience is just delighted by this. And Janae sells it. And, and it is just, it is magnificent. It's a little imposed, but anything that gives us more genet is good, in my opinion. So, yeah. Anyway, after all this, James comes out. James is dressed to the nines. He is wearing a suit. He has a hat. He is super jazzed because he is about to get a job at a department store selling appliances. And he's thrilled because it means no more manual labor, a big jump in salary, yada, yada. It's important because he'll be supporting the family. Florida, though, is cautious. This is very on brand. She says, you haven't been offered the job yet, but he is so confident. He said, no, 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 this job is mine. I turned on the James Evans charm and the woman at the personnel office absolutely loves me. There is no doubt I have this job. I am in. And he is so confident. He says, you know what? Don't worry about getting that seamstress job. I'm going to get this lady to give you a job at the department store too. Come with me to this job interview. And Florida's like, you're okay. And so she puts on her coat and off they go. Off they go into Chicago. Mm-hmm. Yes. So then we go to The personnel office the offices at the department store and we meet mrs rogers played by an up-and-coming actress named charlotte ray and she is honestly she is fabulous in this because they needed somebody a tiny bit kooky and she sells it man Charlotte Ray is 48 years old here. She still has her dark hair with a lot of gray in it. And it's kind of done up big time. It's kind of how she looks in the, I think, the Charmin commercial that she did, which was around the The, same time. The Partridge
1: Family episode we saw her in. Her hair's a little bit bigger. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: So anyhow, it is very clear when she meets James when she says, welcome back. Good to see you again. He makes a joke and she is just charmed by him. She does the Charlotte, right? <laughs> oh, Mrs. Evans. And she even says to Florida, it must be sheer heaven living with such an amusing man. To which we get a deadpan eye roll from Florida. Because James is laying it on thick and we know this is not the way he is at home. So that's a little fun little inside joke. But here is the deal. We have that trope. We've talked about it here before. Steve Martin uh, mentioned it in his appearance in Oh Hello on Broadway, which is on Netflix, that when you get a phone call with bad news, you have to play the scene prior to the phone call as you are deliriously happy. Right. Right. And the inverse is true. You have to be miserably sad at the bottom of the barrel when the phone rings and you get the good news that you've won the lottery, you've gotten the job. So we are so clearly setting this up where he comes in so hot and heavy. He actually says to her, you know what? Before we begin with my job, my wife is looking for work. Why don't you set her up with something? And Charlotte Ray in earnest says, Oh, I'm sorry, we don't have any other open positions. And he says, I doesn't have to be skilled. She could do something here. She doesn't have the the and is almost being dismissive of her, like, she'll clean the toilets, she'll scoop up horseshit. I'm paraphrasing, but he's basically doing this. And Florida is like, Really? And it's pretty cringe. It is pretty cringe. And you know. <sighs> He comes in so hot and heavy or like, oh, he is so not going to get this job because of the exceeding competence he has. Um, So anyhow, then Mrs. Rogers, that's Charlotte Ray, her boss pops his head in and imagine our surprise to discover it is Dick O'Neill. Not Dick O'Neill. Yes, I went. I know that Dick. You know who Dick O'Neill is? No. He was the security guard in shoplifting. Oh, that Dick O'Neill. Yes, yes, there we go. And you will recall that same actor was also Ted Metcalf in Two Guys from Appleton, the guy that she stood up for the prom and then later decides she's going to marry very quickly. He is the father of Ryan Cassidy. When we get the wonderful character of Kevin. In season six of The Facts of Life.
1: Oh, that Dick O'Neill.
0: You you still don't know, do you? No idea. <laughs> Look him up. Dick O'Neill. But oh, yes, no. he was on two episodes of The Facts of Life in two different characters. Shoplifting was season two, episode six, 1980. So that's still six years away. And then five years later is when he does Ted Metcalf in season six, episode 17. Two guys from Appleton. So... This is this sort of origin story where Charlotte Ray and Dick O'Neill have worked together before the facts of life. It was very lovely to see them together and they're very good together. He pulls her into the hallway for a little private talk and asks, Who are those people? And she says, Oh, it's the new hire for the sales position and appliances. And he says, Oh, good. She is exactly what we need. And the audience is like, Whoa. And Charlotte Ray is like, no, 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 not her, him. It's I'm, you know, I've, I've promised him the job, and basically he says, tough. We want her, and she's like, but why? He's already qualified. I've already got him set up, and he says, look, she is black and she's a woman. Basically, we are catching two minorities with one butterfly net, is how he puts it, and he basically says that way the corporation is happy, the government is happy, and Uh, we're all happy. And then she says, well, what about Mr. Evans? And she, and he says, well, not everyone can be happy. (laughs) And not
1: the black man,
0: not the black (laughs) man. That's for sure. So, uh, yeah. And so she, and Charlotte plays it pretty well where she says, I can't do that. I can't, I I've already promised him the job. I can't go in there and do that to him. And so Uh, The boss guy says, it's okay, you don't have to. And she says, oh, good. And he says, I'll do it. And in he goes. So by the way, the partitions between the hallway and the offices on this set, they're all the glass like 1970s, where the lower half is fake wood, and the upper half is glass. So you can see through no glass. It is so clearly like the Brady Bunch where their sliding doors don't have any glass on them because that would reflect the lights. So it's very clear that there's no glass in the glass. I love that TV magic. So then the boss man, Dick O'Neill, goes in and says, Mr. And Mrs. Evans, have I got news
1: for you? And then we go to commercial. So there's our cliffhanger. It's a cliffhanger. How's how's he going to handle it? Mm-hmm. Is he going to allow his wife to get a job where he can ha- can hopefully get out of poverty or no? Are they going to decide we're going to continue to live in poverty because I'm a dick? Yeah. What's going to happen, David? I'm excited to find out. It's it's a, a little bit
0: of both. A little bit from column A, a little bit from column B here. So we come back from commercial after the news has been broken, and it launches right into James saying, what the hell are you talking about giving my wife this job that you promised me? And even Florida chimes in. That's crazy. And she says, I won't take a job from my husband. And Dick does try to empathize. He does say, you must feel terrible. It's, you know, all this and that. But basically, if she doesn't take it, I'm not giving it to either of you. I'm going to hire someone else, another woman. And so... He says, let me, let's talk. So he pulls her off into the corner and he says, you need to take the job. And and he wholeheartedly is like, he is playing this. Like he is absolutely on board with this. He doesn't like it, but she says, no, this is, I got, I don't want to do this. And he says, a line. I'm not sure if this is a little paraphrase, but he says, look, we're at a roadblock. We can either turn around and go back to where we were, or we can keep moving ahead. So, she says, okay. So, <laughs> she says, I'll take the job, and there it is. And, like I say, he seems to really mean it. Put a pin in that, ladies and gentlemen. So, then we go back to the home, the apartment. It's just the kids. Uh, By the way, they're all really good. They carry, when they have scenes just them, they let them go for a while. They don't have to bring in the adults and the parents to carry the show. They're quite good, the three of them, and the chemistry is good uh, between that. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't appreciate about the show, Mm -hmm. Uh, which is why it could go on without John Amos and Esther Roll so um anyway the kids are at home it's been a little while we don't know quite how long it's been but we know that john amos has gone back to work at the car wash mom is now working a lot of hours and isn't home so they're having to do more of the housework gives jj a chance to insult thelma's cooking but they do say also daddy is not in a good mood these days so jj says we should cheer daddy up show him warmth and love And he comes home, says he had a rotten day. The kids try to cheer him up and he is not having it. He's really in a bitchy bastard mood. And one of the reasons why he says is that there are layoffs happening at the car wash and he's afraid he might be a casualty of that. And then he says a line, and this is what the show was good for. The plight of the lower income family that we earlier had them talking about the statistics about the unemployment. At this point, John Amos says, the president said he was going to bring us all together. I didn't realize he meant the meeting place was going to be the breadline. So this is Nixon we're talking about here. But the fact that they do bring up the president, the government, and statistics and things, that was something I do remember was good about the show. They did keep it in that realm. It wasn't just... Silly family sitcom dynamics. So that's just a little checkbox in the good column. And by the way, you notice I'm not really complaining a lot. This is, I am I enjoyed this. I really did enjoy this. And I, I did watch and like this show growing up, by the by. So Florida then comes home and she has a cake with her. And they're like, why did you bring home a cake? What are we celebrating? And she says, oh, well, I'll tell you in a little bit. James basically grunts at her. And she says, what's the matter? And he's like, nothing. Nah. And he's he's kind of an asshole. He's in a lousy mood. And she's like, well, let's talk about it. He's like, I don't want to talk about it. And She's like, we need to talk about it. Back and forth. And then finally she says, well, good. I don't want to talk about it either. At which point he turns and says, okay, I guess we can talk about it. So uh, then they go off into the bedroom. To have a private conversation away from the kids. And the good thing is that. John Amos is a scary actor. When he starts shouting, when he plays the the rage and, and stuff, and he's such a big, imposing figure, he is a little scary. I'm not going to lie. And the fact that they write it so that Florida is not intimidated by him. She does not put up with his shit, and she gives as well as she gets. But he's being a really whimpering little bitch here. So she's like, Well, didn't you want me to tell you about the cake? He's like, I don't want to hear about no jive cake. And he's like, it's just you showing off. It's bad enough, you being the breadwinner around here. And now you got to be the cake winner too. And she's like, James, you told me you insisted I take this job. I didn't want it. And then the exchanges. Is, this is, I like this writing. She says, You insisted I took the job. And he says, I did not. And she says, you did too. And he says, well, you don't got to listen to everything I say. (laughs) Just what, you know, when you're in an argument and you just need something to say and you say something stupid just because you need something to say. I I like that a lot. So then we get into it where he says, how do you expect me to feel? He's been constantly losing jobs. He's basically gone through every reason in the book why he hasn't gotten jobs, why he hasn't been able to get ahead, but this was a new one. This was a blow he didn't expect. And losing the job to her has pretty much, without saying it explicitly, it's damaged his ego. So anyway, finally, as they're shouting, she says, James, I got laid off. And he's like, wait, wait, what? And she says, they said that sales are not as good as they want. They needed to get rid of and make some cutbacks. So since I was the most recent hire, I was the first one to go. So we don't even know. I get the sense it was a couple or three weeks or so. It wasn't long. Um, So then he apologizes for yelling at her and being such a bitch. And she says, it's okay. You had to get it off your chest. And he says, you know what? Bread winner, cake winner, you're just a winner. Really nice. So then she says, well, now we're back to the same old question. How are we going to make it? And he says, like we always do. Somehow
1: together. Oh, together. Somehow,
0: somehow, somehow, <laughs> not, So very close, together. very close. And then we go back out to the kids in the kitchen and they are just fighting and screaming and James and Florida come out arm in arm and they just calmly Florida reaches through the arguing children, pours herself a cup of coffee. And she says to him, well, we've got all the ingredients, family, love, and togetherness.
1: And oh, that's kids, where it's together.
0: There it is. You were you were right. Just yeah. you were you were a little premature. Yeah. And with that, the kids are still screaming. It's an ironic ending, but they are happy because they have reconciled, and that's the end of the episode.
1: And Florida is happy because she's kept her family in poverty again. Correct. <laughs> Supporting the subreddit.
0: Yes. <clears throat> I have to say. The rewrites I want to send in the time machine, the the rewrite that I would do, the part of the episode I didn't like was that he did not apologize until after she told him she lost the job. Mm. Meaning, oh, I'm so sorry. Now that I know the thing that was upsetting me is not there anymore. Mm. So to me, the rewrite would be very simple. It would be during the argument They would back and forth and she would, you know, shout something at him, whatever. And finally he would crack and say, fine, I am mad. I didn't think I would be, but I am. And then he'd go into, I've been through everything in the book as to why I haven't been able to get a job and get ahead. And this was a different, this was a new one that I didn't see coming. And I'm sorry, I just need to get used to it. This is good for the family and it's okay. I'm I'm not over it yet, but I'll get, I'll, we'll get through it. I'll get through it. It would have been nice to have him have the change of heart and then have her say, well, James, you're not going to have to get used to it. I got laid off. And then go from there. So that's the only rewrite is uh, James tells her in earnest to take the job and then later realizes that he doesn't like it after all. And then he doesn't really calm down about it until after he knows the situation isn't there. I would have liked to have given him a little more dimension and a little more commitment to her and the family.
1: I don't think there was a lot of dimension going on. It would be like Archie admitting he was wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Which, which Archie has done. Archie did
0: about the, about the goddamn war in Vietnam. Later dubbed the rotten damn war in Vietnam. Thank you, Network Sensors. But, uh, yeah. So, uh, that's the episode. And honestly... Good episode. Good. Yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed it as much as you did. I did. And, yeah, the thing is, this was a good episode. I recommend it, folks. And I recommend the show. It's really... Good. And this is a very typical one because it is about the job situation. It is about the husband and wife dynamic. It is about what level the kids are chipping in. And it has Walona being fabulous. And that's probably the most
1: important thing. I think that is the most important thing. Janae Dubois, man. She is the shit. Was she died? In oh, that's right. She did. She
0: passed away. And remember, she was on. The Facts of Life also, she's also a Facts of Life connection, because remember in Brian and Sylvia, the oh. attempt to do the interracial couple spinoff with yeah. Richard Dean Anderson, she played, essentially she played Tootie's grandmother. She was the mother of the wife. So, yeah. So, Janae Dubois was going to be on that show. And she was fabulous on that, too. And the audience applauded when they opened the door and she was standing there. because. Yeah, she was the shit, man. She was awesome. So, yeah, I say give good times a chance. If you've ever thought of watching it, (laughs) including you, Matthew, pop them on. They're on freebie. That's where you can see this. You can watch it for free. And that's about it. That's about it. Well, next time, Matthew, it has been a long time coming. I am ready for us to finally tackle the girl. Most likely to have fun with that. The TV movie starring the wonderful Stockard Channing and, and it has two connections to the facts of life. It has rep Brown and it has Chuck McCann in it. So uh, we are going to be welcoming Ken Reed to the show. And you've told me you don't want to do it.
1: (laughs) Make me sound like a jerk.
0: What? All right, Matthew, my love. Dang. This is another TV Talkaholics. We didn't get one out last month cuz someone was really busy
1: all this work, very busy. Mhm. That's
0: good. How many Talkaholic chips do you give this episode <laughs> of Good give, Times?
1: I give Good Times um 5 Talkaholic chips. You
0: enjoyed it that much the way I it's the did. way I
1: described it to you, clearly. Yes, yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, yeah, for the content, it was, it was pretty good, pretty consistent. Considering they lost, you know, main characters and still kept it going and the Jimmy Walker thing, but with the room full of white writers and stuff, I'm going to give it a four. I'm not going to give it a full five, no half or quarter stars or chips rather. So I'm just going to give it a four. It's a good solid four. I enjoyed mm-hmm. this episode and it was a good... Uh, walk down memory lane it was fun and you could dance to it yeah had a good beat didn't it so that's it sponsors thank you so much of course you'll be getting this episode a little bit early as soon as i can get it edited uh this is being recorded right around thanksgiving of 2023 and then it will drop into the main feed sometime after the new year i think i don't know but Anyway, thank you so much, sponsors and everybody listening to this show. We greatly appreciate it. And do, we don't have a sign-off for this, do we? I don't have the Facts of Life for All About You. So I'll see you next month, David. I guess so. Until next month, big moi. <laughs> Smooches and goodbye, Matthew and everybody. Mwah. Damn.
1: Damn. We damn. We <laughs>
0: We'll make you happy. Come
1: and knock on our door. Come and knock on our door. Well, we're moving on now. On one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, for meal That uncompromising, enterprising, anything but tranquilizer. Here's the story.